Warning, this seventh installment of Spyrocon Review Podcast's Bond Marathon will contain adult language, mature situations, returning actors extorting studios for their continued portrayals, the third actor to play Blofeld, cameos by casino owners, epic elevator flights, very flamboyant henchmen who do not look very appealing, an epic opening song, and plenty of cleavage. Listener discretion is advised. Spark in Motion Picture Review, James Bond, 007, Diamonds Are Forever. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Review Podcast. I'm your host Zan, San Konnichiwa, Aloha, Bonjour, and what's up? Hey, I'm Greta. And we are back again for another installment of Spyrokin's Bondothon, a.k.a. the James Bond Marathon that we've been doing all 2020. And hope you, thank you for joining us for another episode, because I'm excited for this and I'm very... Well, this one is one which is kind of epic because we're talking about something really important, which... What is so special about this movie we're talking about? About Diamonds Are Forever? Yes, this film. Well, Sean Connery came back. Yes, he did. And this is his second to last Bond film, unless... Well, what's you... his name was missing? The gadget guy. Yes, Q. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Now... If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Spyrokin is a podcast that provides informative reviews about connectively enhanced narratives. Pretty much what that means is every podcast we talk about different geeky topics. We tell you the pros and cons about it, how the films are, the mangas are, the games are, and if they're worth investing your time in or not. We've been doing this since 2008, and if you don't agree with anything that we say, we try to be entertaining, educational, enlightening, and most importantly, exciting. And you can listen to any of our earlier episodes at www.spirakin.com We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and various other social media sites. And if you want to do something cool, besides following us on all those different social media sites, go to tinyurl.com forward slash helpzan. That goes to our Apple Podcast website. And leave a comment and a rating. Kind of like putting a tip in the tip jar because we don't charge for this podcast. And I don't think we're going to it anytime soon. Right? Right. But if y'all want to just pay us, then no one's going to stop you. Very true. So let's get to it, Shai, because we are up to, as you said, Diamonds Off Forever. Which is... Forever. Forever. And ever. I'm surprised they did not have um, Diamonds Are Girl's Best Friend in this movie. Especially, like, with the whole Vegas thing. You know, Marilyn Monroe being tied to the mall with the Vegas thing. Diamonds. Like, it was there. Very true. Maybe they didn't have rights to be able to do that. Perhaps. But um, for basic information, this was directed by Guy Hamilton. That's the guy who directed Goldfinger the most... A popular Bond film as of this point and that he came back again for this film because they originally wanted the guy from the last film however he had other they obligations the guy named guy guy <laughs> instead of the guy named guy yes and there's a lot that was going on behind the scenes which we're going to get into but besides the basic information that guy Hamilton directed this this is based off of the 
volume of Ian Fleming's James Bond that came out in 1956, which is Diamonds Are Forever. This film came out in 1971. This is the first of the 70s Bond films. Last one being in 1969. Nice passing of the torch. And uh, this was starring a lot of very interesting actors. First off, we had Charles Gray taking over for Terry Savalas and Donald Pleasant as Blofeld. Which I'm kind of surprised at. Because he was in James Bond. You only lived twice as an informant who got killed by being stabbed in the back. So him he coming has, back. He doesn't look the same. He looks completely different. Well, if you don't know who like Charles. If you didn't tell me that, I would have known. True. But if you don't know who Charles Gray is. If you watch Rocky Horror Picture Show, you definitely will know who this is. This is the historian. The asshole with no neck. And he's playing... Blofeld. He looks very different. First off, he has hair. He's not bald. And he doesn't have the scar. So it's a little crazy. You had uh, Jimmy Dean playing a guy named William White, who is kind of a Hugh, uh, Howard Hughes type guy, I think. Like sausages, Jimmy Dean? Yeah, I know. It's crazy to like Jimmy Dean, but... Anyway. You had... Norman Burton, the third actor to play Felix Leiter. And so far, this guy's getting closer to being a good Felix Leiter, I think. He's a little better than the last couple, but not by much. Right? And it's like, I still think they need to come at the whole Felix thing as, you know, making it a traditional name where it's John Doe, where it's not weird that there's a different Felix. That is true. They should do that, but... We digress. You have um, Leonard Barr, the old school mob comedian guy playing Shady Tree. He's in a lot of mob movies, right? Yes. Also, Mark Lawrence. It's almost like he has a contract for it. Well, it is in Vegas, so maybe some of these people, in order to use it, had to deal with it. You also had David Bauer. Mob contract. Har, 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 har. Now, a couple other people who were involved. You had Lana Woods starring her first role, and she is playing Plenty O'Toole, a Bond girl who doesn't get to be with Bond, not for lack of trying. And at one point, she even tries to be a catty bitch, and it's like, I'm going to get the address of this girl, go to her house, and confront her. And what happens to her? Well, she gets thrown out a window and lands in a pool. And then later on, she's drowned in a pool. So that's a little WTF. You have uh, Joe Robinson playing Peter Franks, who is a smuggler who Bond assumes his identity. Actually, a very good hench person who's similar to Red Grant in his body type. Uh, you have Lois Maxwell returning as Miss Manypenny. For... I like Manypenny. And the funny thing is that she was not going to be in this film, but they kind of forced her to be in this they gave her an option they said listen we need you to be in this and they shot her scene last this feels very different because all the other ones are oh here's um m actually q does show up in this one but many penny she shows up as a border agent just randomly she shows up she's like here you go mr franks bring me something back maybe a ring with a diamond and a ring i'll bring you back a tulip because he was going to holland yes you had uh, Jill St. John, who is v very famous. She was in the Avengers TV show, but she is playing Tiffany Case. Because diamonds, Tiffany, Tiffany and Company. And the joke with her is that she was born in the lobby of Tiffany's. 
Har har, right? Yes. You had Bruce Glover and Putter Smith, who one of them, Putter Smith is a jazz musician, and Bruce Glover is a character actor, and he's also the father of Crispin Glover, the guy who played Marty McFly's dad. And they are playing Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid, the henchmen of the... Random, weird, ugly henchmen. But now you can see the one who's the dad of uh, mm-hmm. of Marty McFly's dad. Who he's creeping his own level. Crispin Glover is super creepy, but Bruce Glover, wow. He's Mr. Wint. The, um, what do we say? Is he the, uh... Well, they're both not... Because they're... It's interesting because Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid, they are a... Let's just be honest. Homosexual couple. In the 70s. But they don't, like, make him completely flamboyant. They the don't... only time they're flamboyant is when the one catches on fire. Flaming. Har har. I think, no, because they keep it as their couple, but that's not the their basic thing that they are. They do other things as well. Yeah, horrible, evil, twisted things. But there are some points when they do show their relationship. They hold hands after they kill somebody, and they're like kind of like, would you say they frolic, or they just... They um, frolic might be a good word. I, you know, like they skip off. They, <laughs> they, the one gets jealous when he calls a girl attractive. Like it, it is a bizarre relationship. Yeah, he says he's like she's she's very attractive for a woman. You know, like, wow. And I like I just wanted to keep keep saying like, and you're not attractive for a man. And also, one thing we have to remember is that Mr. Wint also uses women's perfume which to as described by one actor smells like a tarts handkerchief and continuously puts it on it's not even like a little bit it's um like like they say with any cologne one spray will do you this is and then finally returning with it after being exorbitantly paid Sean Connery! Yes, as James Bond, MI6's agent, 007. So, before we get into the actual nitty-gritty of the plot, let's get into it, the elf in the room. Last we talked about, George Lazenby was going to become Bond. He told them go fuck themselves afterwards, and he left the series. And producers Harry Saltzman and Albert Broccoli... Were kind of in trouble. They had no one to cover them because John. And he wasn't a bad Bond. But as we said last episode, he was just having a hissy fit because one of his managers told him, "Hey, spy films are out. Seventies movies are in. Drop out of the spy movie." Even though this was the advent of spy and action movies, and he kind of made the wrong decision. Yeah, and it came to haunt him for a long time. And United Artists wanted different people. And they kind of went through different actors. Even Burt Reynolds. They went to uh, Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton. But they said they were too young. Well, actually, Roger Moore they wanted. But he was working on The Saint at the time. Roger Moore would have been good. However, they decide on a guy named John Gavin. An American actor who looks super handsome. Yeah, but you can't have an American guy be James Bond. The first James Bond in the, the movie was, the one that was on YouTube, the first TV movie was American. He sounded horrible. But United Artists came back to Broccoli and Saltzman and said, listen, we want Connery back. So we want you to take the insurance money from the movie 
and offer it to Connery because he said he wouldn't come back. We'll pay him a crap load of money. So first they do that. Connery says, no, I don't want to do that. So fine, what do you want? So the deal is they paid him 1.5 million pounds and they gave him two films of his choice. So he can make two movies that he wanted. One was a Hamlet movie and another film was a film that never came out because of reasons. But he got paid absurd amounts. And you could actually see in this film that he kind of doesn't want to be here. But I feel like that kind of adds to James Bond anyway. In a, in a weird way. I don't know if I, like... It's true, but this one, it's... You look at the other films with Sean Connery. He seems more into it and more ready to go. This... One, he's like, I'm here for a paycheck. I'm kind of doing some stuff. A little better, but not really. I don't feel like he was there for a paycheck. I feel like he was like almost too old for it. We've seen him in other films later on where he's great. I don't know, 100% like The Rock. No, The Rock, um, Entrapment, uh, even League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is a horrible movie. He's good in it. No, but for like a James Bond type, you're supposed to be this... Not, I don't think a super young guy is a good James Bond, but you have to have like a little devil's may care kind of. And he seems much more, uh, he half-asses it. That's my opinion on this film. He half-asses it. He really does. But the film has an interesting plot, because originally the plot from the original, uh, the original idea for Diamonds Are Forever was going to be that Orc Goldfinger's twin brother was going to come and try to kill James Bond. And the thing is, unlike Goldfinger, who's obsessed with gold, the twin brother was obsessed with diamonds. However... Because they're forever. Saltzman had a dream that his best friend got replaced with a double. So they said, you know what, we'll take this and we'll use that for the film. Now, what do we mean by doubles? So the movie opens up where James Bond... After the... Well, in the last film, what happened? At the end of the movie. He gets married. And his wife is murdered. Killed. By? Um, what's his name? Bofield. So, Blofeld kills Tracy Bond. And the beginning of this movie is... Before they can even have a honeymoon. James Bond essentially going on a murderous rampage. Killing... Everybody. He like he meets girls and usually it's oh I'm gonna flirt with you a little bit. He's like he sees a cute girl, he just throws her to the ground and points a gun to her head and says, Where's Blofeld? Goes to Yeah, s- he's very, very focused on revenge. Rightfully so. You get James Bond to fall in love with you, you get James Bond to marry you, and then you're an idiot that kills that woman. You you have a not just a target on your back, but like a radioactive target on your back. It's crazy because every time he kills him or goes to kill the person, they tell him a location. He goes to the next location, finds another person there, and it just goes back and forth till he finds a secret facility for Blofeld with his mysterious organization. Because this is also the last film that they talk about Spectre at all, or this movie they don't even use the name Spectre, but it's Spectre. It's the last film until the 2000s. For a while. And this location, they're actually making doubles of Blofeld. They're doing cosmetic surgery to make them look like... Or multiples, because it's more than two. 
Yes. So he goes there, kills the first one in a cool scene where he's looking for Blofeld. The guy is has an air hair an an air mask. He's under mud. He points a gun at Bond. Bond kills him. Which tells me that basically in the seventies, people didn't know how to do plastic surgery. No, they did. It was very strange. Blofeld shows up, and then Bond kills him. How does he kill him? Not with a knife, not with a gun. He pushes him into mud and lets him just suffocate to death. That's one way to do it. Meanwhile, while he is going on his horrible, bloodthirsty revenge bent, our two henchmen, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd, are following a bunch of diamonds around. They're watching as it's transferred from person to person, and then they're killing off the courier after the money has the diamonds have been transferred over. It's like, oh, here's the here's your payment, and the payment kills them somehow. One guy gives them the diamonds, and inside the payment there's a tarantula that or a scorpion that kills them. Another one, it's an old lady who's gonna take it to Holland, and they the lady gets killed. And the worst part is that the old lady's like, well, if I go to Holland, I'll be able to take pictures of the d- dike in the rivers for the kids at this orphanage I run. Which is really weird, but they're like, oh, I took a picture for the children. That's funny. Ha ha. Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd are very just matter-of-fact and a little sinister, but they're also really... They're not a little sinister. They're like super sinister. They're like twisted and happy to commit murder. But they've talked very... Not your traditional, like, homosexual portrayed in this. And they're really unattractive. Well, one is balding and fat with a porn star mustache. No, but he's not just balding. He's got, like, this bob haircut where he's balding on top, but yet somehow has bangs still. It's very, like, an unattractive fryer tuck. And the other one has kind of the... I want to say an alfalfa haircut where it's like sticking up, but it's not. It's just a bowl cut in just 70s perm, and he looks like he's a couch. And he, like I said, he, he sprays the uh, the crappy cologne on him. So they're killing people left and right following this diamond. And this has become, kind of, the diamond situation has been made apparent to MI6. And they're thinking that the reason why is that the diamonds are being stockpiled and they're going to be sold to depress prices because apparently the British government thinks that the diamonds are going to be um, in the price is going to be devalued because they're going to put so many diamonds out on the market and that but will that's the whole thing about diamonds is they they're actually quite common but because they limit how many are on the market at the same time then they have intrinsic value and it's exactly the reverse of the Goldfinger scam. The Goldfinger scam was, I'm going to irradiate a bunch of gold, and then gold prices are going to skyrocket. This and is, then I'll have the only clean gold there is on the market. Ha ha ha. And this one's the reverse. It's, we're going to flood the market, and that's what's going to happen. Also, But also, during this time, James actually points out, he's like, he brings up the fact that the diamonds are being stolen from Africa. From South Africa. He brings up that point. That's not really Britain's, but they kind of... Um, and wash that away. So anyway, so what's going to happen is that they are going to have James pose as a as a smuggler, trafficker, yeah, a smuggler. Uh, Peter Franks, and he's going to meet this person, Tiffany Case, and they end up detaining him at the airport, switching him, and then he goes to 
uh, Amsterdam to meet Tiffany Case, who is a girl who immediately when they meet, she changes her appearance not once, not twice, but three different times. Not necessarily appearance. Her she's wardrobe changes. She starts out in a very seventies teeny tiny bra and teeny tiny underwear. But don't worry, she puts on a robe to cover up. However, the robe is sheer. Also, we can't forget the fact that she starts out as a blonde, then she comes back, she's a brunette, and then she comes out again in a, in a pantsuit, and she's a redhead. And she actually gives him a drink, and then she takes his... His, uh... His glass, and with the highest technology of the day, takes a, um, sprays on it, um, to get his fingerprint, and then takes a photo of it, and enlarges it, and then puts it in this computer, which is tiny which is the size of a wall to verify by hand or by eye i should say that it is really the fingerprint they have on file for this frank person i mean actually it's kind of one of the few gadgets that are in this film besides some stuff that blofeld uses his gadget is fake fingertips because he figured that she would actually examine it like she, he looks at the glass smells he's like oh i see it's uh, uh she was trying to be sneaky but thank you q for being so smart so he so he thanks Q and Q's like referenced and mentioned, but you don't get to see Q. Yes. However, it goes into that that he's Frank's, and then crazy part is so he's going to bring the diamonds. Where are the diamonds? Where are they hidden? In her chandelier, her and personal chandelier. So now that's a lot of, and he's getting paid fifty thousand dollars. Not a bad amount of money to transport it to Los Angeles. But how are they going to do that? Well, the real Peter Franks ends up killing his escort and goes to meet Case. Yeah, he gets... The real Frank that was detained um, gets out and goes to, to do the rendezvous point and do the meetup. And then there's the epic um, fight in the... Elevator. So, you know, 007, James Bond, Sean Connery, is alerted to the fact that Frank, the real Frank, is on the loose. So he just knows instinctively that he's coming to um, ruin it. So he heads him off at the pass. You know, they get into the elevator. And, um, and he can't have his cover blown. So there's an epic fight. And I want to note that this is one of the, maybe one of the very first fights that James Bond has where it's not overtly um fast forwarded in the movie so it's a good fight it's a really good really good in a tiny tiny elevator like it's a spectacular fight like this is a european elevator and there it's surrounded with half glass and there's actually it's the elevator that you close with the door so you could fall down and die and it's them just fighting in this very small confined space then they end up getting on the top floor because and then the fight and then the real james bond actually kills him and he's slick he changes wallets so that when um, his contact comes out, she goes, oh, no, who was that? He pulls it open. She goes, that's James no, Bond. No, she pulls it out, and she sees it's James Bond. She's she like, goes, you can't kill James Bond. He's like, well, I have. So they get the idea. How are they going to get the diamonds to L.A.? Well, Mr. Frank's brother, who just died, is going to take him the diamonds there. So they're going to put the diamonds inside the body and take it to... Or you don't know if they're inside the coffin. He makes this witty joke about, 
you know, oh, we'll let uh, James Bond do the heavy lifting, you know, har har. Um, and then you see him with a coffin. Yes. So he gets picked up by this guy, Shady Trees, who we told you is the owner of Slumber Inc., a kind of creepy funeral home. And beforehand, he meets the new Felix Leiter because, like, oh, let me check your thing, Mr. Franks. Oh, hey, James. And he's like, where is it? And they talk about the money. So they end up going there. They cremate the body. He's gonna. He opens up the uh, urn. The urn, it turns out, is filled with the diamonds. He's set to go. He puts the urn where it's supposed to go. Gets knocked out by Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd. And they put him in a new coffin that's going to be... Cremated. Cremated. And so he's stuck in a coffin. He's going to die. And then suddenly... They realize it's not real diamonds, and they open it up. And enter montage of every big-name casino owner, um, slash possibly ties to the mob. Opening the door, say, what the hell is this? These aren't the real diamonds. He's like, well, you tried, well, I'll let you know where they are. And they give him, and the $10,000 aren't real anyway. So they give him fake $10,000. So he ends up going to a casino, the White Casino. He says, I'll meet you later with the real diamonds. And he goes there because that's where uh, Shady Trees is also a comedian. He's investigating. And But then, however, small problem is that the assistant of the owner of the... Like, as I'm saying this, all of this stuff out loud, like, it sounds shady. And I'm not trying to make a pun with Shady Trees because, you know, my pun game is stronger than that. But, like, it sounds convoluted it sounds weird and silly almost but that's what it is it does and the thing is that's crazy is that he's gonna go there see shady trees he goes to the casino to bet and while it's happening shady trees goes downstairs because they think he has diamonds and mr winter mr kid show up kill him and then their higher up says don't kill him yet we don't have the diamonds oh that's unfortunate yep kind of a we fucked up like Oopsie-daisy. But it doesn't matter. They they fucked up, and um, so they don't know what to do. Bond is, or Peter Franks, is currently playing craps, and a girl comes up to him and is interested in his winnings. Well, she's interested in helping him bet. She wants to play with his money. Yes, Plenty O'Toole, who is probably, or arguably, the most busty Bond girl thus far. To date. Yes. Uh, yes. And so things go well. They get money. They go upstairs. And then when they open the door, suddenly the gang members we saw from Shady Trees are all waiting for Bond or Franks. They take the girl, throw her out the window. She falls down. They make a comment like, oh, how do you know she was going to land in the pool? He goes, oh, I didn't know there was a pool there. Like they legit just throw her out the window. And then it turns out they leave, and the bedroom is Tiffany. She wants to know where the diamonds are. Yeah, they, the guys just kind of awkwardly back out. <laughs> yeah, it's a, such a weird scene. Like, he's, like, um, Sean Connery, James Bond, is prepared to, like, fight them. But now that they got rid of the girl, this seriously, little... they all just awkwardly back away. They do, and it's just like, okay, that's I guess that's what it is. So then... Then you realize she's there, and of course they, you know, James Bond fashion, she's in his bed. 
well, she is there because she wants to know where the the diamonds are, and he doesn't tell her till later. But he says, "You ever wanted to go to the circus?" He doesn't, he doesn't tell her till after. Smart move. And then he ends up telling her to go to. You ever wanted to go to the circus? Because it's at Circus Circus. Now, fun little fact: the owner of Circus Circus is a huge James Bond fan, so he actually has a cameo in the movie because he, he let, can because he, he can. He's letting them use his casino. Think about it. Casino owner in the 70s when Vegas was just a few handful of casinos and open desert and mobsters. You want to you, you want to be a fan of a movie franchise? Fine. You own a casino? Great. You want to let them film there? You want to be in it? Not a problem. Of course you can be in it. Exactly. So from that point, uh, Tiffany ends up Screwing over Bond, goes home, passing off the diamonds, but then, unfortunately, she gets back to her her house, and T- Plenty O'Toole is dead in the pool. Turns out that Plenty O'Toole stole her bag, found out where she was, and was going to have a huge uh, kind of, how do we put this, a cat fight for, for her man, because she thinks that, that Tiffany's trying to steal the money from from she Frank's. She wanted in on it. Yeah, but she gets killed immediately, so Tiffany realizes she fucked up. So, they end up finding out that the diamonds are taken to a remote facility for various reasons. You have a moon buggy chase in the middle of, well... A random, like, James Bond, like, they go into this facility where there's supposedly research and radiation and, and there's, there's some... James is very slick with his little... Um, sleight of hand with the, you know, card entrance to get into the place. But there's, there's like a fake moon landing filming going on. Like very conspiracy theory. It's kind of ridiculous and gets very crazy because it's like, oh, look, they're chasing after him, but they're acting like it's still, (laughs) they're still in space, but they should just give it up. And he steals their moon buggy and then drives the moon buggy in real land. They... They they knock him out, and um, meanwhile, they're putting in this huge pipeline. No, that's later. That's later. The pipeline's later. No, it's... It, this is... No, because it's... For, no, no, first he goes to, to meet Blofeld. Because that's what happens, is that he actually goes back to the Walter... Because he knows that, the, that Walter White is in charge of the facility. So, Walter White's been calling all the shots. So, he has to meet Walter White. Goes, scales the building in a very cool scene. Oh, that's right. And then With, he breaks uh, in. Thumper and... No, before that. And he ends up walking into this room, expecting Walter White, this recluse, crazy guy. Not Walter White, it's uh, something white. But anyway, Mr. White, he's going to see and find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. He walks in. Mr. White, the recluse, isn't there. Instead, Blofeld. And then, another Blofeld. Because they're cloning themselves. And he, he pulls out a... He's ready to go, going to try to figure out what's going on, how he survived. And he's like, well, one of them is, I'm the real Blofeld. Well, there's this technology that will let us be able to speak, so we're exact same. So maybe he has it in, or maybe I have it in. And Bond sees a little white cat with a diamond necklace walking across. She jumps up onto one of the Blofeld's lap, and he just knows that must then be the real Blofeld. So he shoots him with his one bullet he has. However... Another cat shows up and jumps on the other, and he's like, Sorry. With a better necklace. So, and, right idea, wrong pussy. 
Har har. So from here, he ends up being told, I'm not telling you what's going on, leave me alone. And something I forgot to mention is in the facility, he saw a cassette tape for marching music. And on the desk of Blofeld, he also sees the same tape with marching music. Ends up being important later on, so... He swipes it as only James Bond would. Tries to. He tries to and is told, put it back. So he puts it back. Ends up going in the elevator. He says, put it down the lobby. And he gets gassed. And then Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd put him into a pipe. And he's sealed in a pipeline in the middle of Las Vegas Valley. Which is really a horrible which way is to a die. Truly, it's an actual real desert. So he's in the middle of nowhere and a pipe underground. Yes, and there's a little device coming to clean and sweep and kill things. It, like, is is soldering edges and sweeping through the pipe to make sure it's taken... Like, it's interesting. But, but he, James is smarter than that. And he uses... He breaks it down, and then the maintenance crew has to find it. He's like, this sucks because it's 20 miles between each opening. And they open up the opening and then james pops out and says i got lost in the desert just went up here i don't know what happened like i'm so sorry thanks for letting me out (laughs) yeah they just look confused like what the hell so then he stumbles upon where uh the real white is and he discovers the plot the whole thing is that blofeld has created a laser satellite that uses all the diamonds that he's stolen and it's already in orbit and he's gonna destroy nuclear weapons around the world and he's gonna propose an international auction for global nuclear supremacy because he's a crazy person and the thing that's controlling it is a master control tape which can be either really small or really big and they say how big is it about oh you know the size of a cassette tape so the cassette tape we've seen is the master control device my thing is the movie's called diamonds are forever you see diamonds here and there you know the opening sequence has um in africa you see like the blood diamond ring you see how people are smuggling it there's the whole thing with the weird creepy henchmen on you know how the diamonds are moved around and how they're how people are killed for them and things but all of the Bond women, the women at the casino, the um, Thumper and Bambi, the, uh, all the girls in this movie, none of them have diamonds on them. That is very true. Like, not even a diamond bracelet or a cool necklace or some kind of headband, dare I say, tiara. Like, where are the diamonds? Come on. They're all in space they, in a super satellite. They have the satellite... You see the satellite, you see the, the, the things stick out, and the, all the, the netting of the diamonds come out, and it's beautiful. But really, come on, missed opportunity number one. Now, Greta keeps bringing up Bambi and Thumper. Now, those are the two bodyguards who were holding Mr. White hostage, and they are just two really weird gymnast girls who... Are look- kind of pretty... They look like they've been taking too much testosterone. But they're not like like what we would think of. A, like when when I th- think of a woman taking too much testosterone, I think of like the women of the the weightlifting uh, circuit. Yeah, WWE or MMA fighters. Even though you know they're not on drugs or anything, but that's what I think of. 
These are like, they look like thin, trim, lean, like they look like they do Pilates, but somehow they have thighs of steel that can help make, you know, wrap their legs around James Bond and he'll pass out. But they're fighting in this weird 70s dance type. It's gymnastics and dance type. And the ending is they throw him into a pool, they go there to drown him, and then he just goes above them and just puts them under the water and is holding their heads down. Very un-James Bond-like, but it's like this is, he's just more like a I don't care type fighting. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed this movie. I liked it. I love Vegas. I've been to Vegas many times. We'll continue to go to Vegas. I, I love the old Vegas. I like the whole idea of the mob being there and all of the, the racket and all of this. But don't call a movie Diamonds Are Forever and then not have a lot of jewelry in it. Come on. That is a good point on it. Now, we're at the end of the climax. Originally, in the original script, what they wanted to do was have a huge boat race. Kind of a boat-like chase where Bond is chasing after Blofeld in a boat. Because and when the, you think of Las Vegas, oh, hold Nevada, on, hold on, hold on. you think boat i'm not done yet then you have all the casino owners on boats trying to stop blofeld this is what the british people thought for vegas however as you stated earlier vegas is in the middle of a fucking desert there are no boats so instead what they do is they have it that there is an oil rig off the coast of baja which is blofeld's base of operation he's already kidnapped tracy case in a very awkward way where he's in drag and he kidnaps her, and now she's just chilling out on the oil rig. She's very opportunistic. She wants to be a good guy. She wants to be with James. But she her thing is always, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? And so when she sees, what's his name, um, walking around in drag and escaping, she sees her opportunity to watch out for number one, right? Rightfully so. She'll I stop totally him in. It. She'll stop him in because she actually asks Q, who shows up and says, uh, "So am I under arrest? I'm not." He's like, "Because I'm now a good guy." He's like, "Well, once this case is over, you'll be good." Meanwhile, Q is using a special ring he created to get jackpot in every single slot machine he's walking past, which is a beautiful scene because I would love that ring. And what's cute is he's not even excited about the. Um, money he's winning he's excited about the technology and fooling the system and figuring it out and he just keeps going down the you line just hear, ding, 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 ding. it's like millions of dollars in coins you're like okay i forgot he really is in the movie he is it's just, the next one he's not in yeah however from here it ends up becoming a very big kind of weird Sequence of them switching the tape, and then another one switches tape wrong, and they're going to use the satellite to destroy someone. But and, but James switches the tape just at the right time, perfectly on cue, seamlessly, and then Tiffany thinks that, you know, and he hides it on her because he's going to be searched. So she thinks she's helping him out and switches it again because she does want to be a good guy. She has fallen for James, but she put the correct one back in where... She unintentionally helped the bad guys. Long story short, Felix Leiter and the CIA show up with helicopters, start shooting it, almost very similar to Thunderball. You get kind of a water sequence, but it's actually a really cool escape sequence from Bond escaping. And then Blofeld says, I'm going to get out of here using a little midget submarine, and hey, buddy, and you and the crane. A Spectre submarine. Yep. That's the only thing that's really like, there's the little octopus Spectre thingy on it. Yeah. But I love that he's like, you and the crane, you lift me up. And who's in the crane? 
James Bond, and instead of him lifting up, he lifts him down, slams him against the he wall, and just flies him around, throws him over, ends up destroying the control system, and then he ends up destroying the whole base. And the end of the film is that in order to get back, James and Tiffany are going to take a cruise to England for a, a long time. And since White owns the cruise ship, he's been saved by James. He's like, listen, if you want to stay out longer, tell the captain he'll spin the boat around for a while. And as they like har har wink wink. Get more time. And as the boat is leaving, who do you see in the window? Um, the creepy guys. Winton Kid. Yes. And they're going to end this off by making... They come out onto the deck where they're sitting. And they're going to bring the compliments of the captain. A full meal with you. Finished off with a... A chanteau boom. Yeah, a, su- a surprise. It is a... Cake, which is obviously a bomb, and they're going to make food. Eventually, Bond realizes that they're bad guys. Two bad guys have been He recognizes the perfume. Yes, the horrible cologne perfume that Mr. Wint is wearing. And then when he realizes it, okay, now they start cooking the food, and Mr. Uh, Kid is cooking kebabs on swords. Now, the logical thing would be take the sword, throw it at him, do this, do that. No. What does he do? He lights on fire and then he starts just advancing menacingly towards James and Tiffany. So what does James do? He takes his wine, throws it on top of Wint, he lights on fire and has to jump into the water. Again, total pun, missed opportunity with flamboyant. And then Mr. Kid is going to do something bad, they get into a fight, he ends up kind of twisting him in a very awkward way with his hands by his privates, and he makes a very, like, he like, likes this. He, en- he enjoyed it a little bit, but the, so, But then Bond finds out about the bomb, puts the bond on him, flips him over into the water, and he blows up. And it ends off where Tiffany asks him how they're going to get the diamonds out of the sky, and you see the satellite in the sky. Because Tiffany is always concerned about where the diamonds are. Because she wants the money. And this concludes the Diamonds Are Fair film, which it was a very... It was enjoyable. I I liked it. I'm like a little Vegas nerd. Like, I love all of that good stuff. And Plenty O'Toole is like the bestiest Bond girl to date. And I love the fact that Plenty O'Toole is an interesting character, but she gets killed immediately. Uh, Not right away. She gets killed in ten minutes, but yeah. But there's it seems to be like there there has to be a girl that gets killed fairly early on. Yeah, well, it wasn't fairly. It was in the middle, uh, third half. No, but like I mean, like after being introduced, you don't. We don't get to know her for very long. And the film does feel very choppy. Some of the scenes, like it seems like it drags out a lot, and. I will say there are a lot of issues with the film. Like they said that Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid were actually recast because we're gonna have a Peter Lorre character in it instead. But they just came off really just what the hell. You had a whole cameo by Sammy Davis Jr. at the roulette table that was taken out, which that would have been really cool. That would have been very cool. And it just comes off very. There was a lot of missed opportunities. A lot of missed opportunities with it, and it does. You could see it was, like, some parts were very haphazard. Some of the devices were really cool. And as we've talked about the other the other Blofelds, where would you put Charles Gray compared to Donald Pleasant and 
Um, he, Kojak. To, to me, he's like a lower Blofeld. Um, we've had better. I think he's the worst out of all of them, personally. I agree. He's a little bit too like you see. You could see him with a cigarette, just like, "How you doing today?" Yeah. Like, so I know I said bad things about how Kojak played Blofeld in the last film. However, he did bring something a little different to the character, and it was unique. And it had the signature design of the bald head and the scar, and you could tell that was Blofeld. This one did just seem like a regular. Guy. He's a regular guy. I would have liked to have seen if it was Orc Goldfinger's brother instead of this this weird plot they came up with. And I like weird plots. Also, I will say that this is some of the best fighting scenes I've seen in a James Bond film so far. Like, I, I appreciated that it, they didn't have that, you know obvious camera speed up moment to make the the fight look more sensational like it was a well choreographed fighting like you can see it's progressing in that aspect i don't know if cinematography in general was just getting better um or what but i i thought that the fights were really well done there were some other scenes that were really well done like there's a chase sequence in on the strip which i'll admit that due to certain reasons our dvd we have it didn't show too well i've seen it other times but it's a really dynamic scene involving a red mustang and they actually got the guy who did the stunts for bullet to do this stunt and they wrecked a bunch of cars to make this like just pristine so there were some interesting aspects also fun fact when plenty of was drowned in tiffany's uh swimming pool they actually tied a cement brick to her legs while filming gee i wonder who suggested that odd little nod to the mob i mean um well to the union exactly so some things were worked well some things not so much like i said some of sean connery stuff didn't work and now as usual the next part we talk about the actual music of the film was well shirley bassey comes back to sing diamonds of forever and they and john barry the composer for all the bond films actually revealed that he told Shirley Bassey to imagine she's singing about a penis for the song. And it kind of makes sense the way you, she sings it. I think it makes sense for a guy. I think that's fun for a guy to hear. But girls don't need that motivation. And it's a alright theme. Compared to the last film, it's not as good as it. The opening's a cool opening sequence, but it just... I don't know. The first, this, this... I thought the video was really beautifully done, where there's a lot of diamonds on the girl. And the cat strutting about. Yeah, and then the, um, there's quite a bit of, this is the, this is one of the first movies where they're pointing the gun? Yes. No, no, it's the next one's the, the pointing the gun. the next one, okay. Yeah. So, um, but I, I thought it was, it was... There's a lot of diamonds in the opening scene where they're showing the credits and rolling the things around and doing all that. I, I liked that aspect, and it kind of gets you excited for, of course, diamonds are forever. It's going to be all about diamonds, and then, womp womp, it's not all about diamonds. Yes. So, now, as our we've been rating so far, where everybody goes. First off, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid, I think they're like the second worst henchmen so far. Yeah. 
they're a degree above, they're above the three blind mice. They're above the three blind mice, but not by much. Because three blind mice, they were kind of just in two scenes. Mr. Kitten, Mr. Wayne and Mr. Kid, they're a what? They're, and they are progressive. And don't get me wrong, I have no problem with like the whole heterosexual thing. It's not, that's not what makes them bad henchmen. They're weird. They're just weird and creepy. But not in a henchman creepy way, in like a weird decision way. Yeah, there are. I mean, I would put them probably right now, they are, would you say they're above um, Brant, the pilot who threw a bond out, the, who jumped out the airplane to save herself, or below? Below. So you'd say, yeah, and I'd put her, so yeah. So, above the three blind mice, above Hans, because Hans just was in one scene. Yeah. And as for villains, it's Blofeld. So, so far we've had him at the top, but this Blofeld scheme actually, for the most part, worked. So, I would still keep him up there. He's still Blofeld's high up there. Now, as for my location for where this film goes in our ranking right now, I would say this is bottom of the barrel. This is below Thunderball. Which is sad because I love Sean Connery as James Bond. And this is his last film for the Eon Pictures. We're not talking about Never Say Never Again, which is just a remake of Thunderball. That one I don't think we're going to review. But, yeah, this is his last film. And as an outing goes, he kind of pulled not a great performance. Out of our rating, I'm going to have to give this our middle-of-the-ground rating, which is worth watching once, streaming or on DVD or on in the theaters if it's available. But, because... It's but there's no need to own this one. Yeah, it's just, you watch it. Or if you're completist like me, you'll own it. If your DVD skips, it's okay. Yeah, it's just, you don't miss much. And, yeah. I will say... Not one of my favorite movies. Yeah. But I will say, this is leading up to some more interesting things, because it is the 70s now, and so things are going to get a little more weird. And the next film will be putting... A new spin on James Bond with a new Bond actor. Ooh. Who will it be? Well, you have to wait and see. So with that in mind, I think that's it. And if you and if you feel differently, let us know. Like if you think we're to- totally off base, but I don't think we are. I don't think you are. And the random question of the day, I think, is: Do you think that Connery half-assed it in this one? If you do, let us know. Email me personally at Zan, that's X-A-N, at Spirekin.com, or tweet us at Spirekin. Uh, so that, with that in mind, I'm your host, Zan. I'm Greta. We're Gonsville. We'll catch you guys next time. Keep watching Bond movies and keep being awesome. See ya. Diamonds are forever They are all I need to please me They can stimulate and tease me They won't leave in the night I've no fear that they might desert me Diamonds are forever up and then caress it, touch it, stroke it and undress it, I can see every part, nothing hides in the heart to hurt.
of female bondage. Well, that's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I don't dress for the hired help. Starring Jill St. John, Charles Gray, and he's back as Blofeld, 007 style. Good evening, 007. From the Diamond Territory of South Africa, how everyone who touches those diamonds seems to die. The canals of Amsterdam. To the gaming halls of Las Vegas. Hi, I'm Plenty. But of course you are. Plenty O'Toole. Named after your father, perhaps. 
to the rocket sites of Nevada. Sean Connery, alias James Bond 007, is back in action. Right idea, Mr. Bond. <laughs>